podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello. So we're happy for once, aren't we, Nick? Yay! It's a big scoring week for both of us. And as a result, we're extra exuberant. Not from drinking for once, although I am at the moment, uh, to be on the pod today. Um, But I suspect this will all be brought back down to earth very quickly when we look at today's main topic. Right. Uh, Nick, you're here. You're with me after bailing on Will and I midweek due to work commitments. You all right? Yeah, not bad. Thanks. Sorry for missing the uh, live stream uh last week but yeah sounds like you guys had some fun um just to say quickly of course we are who got the assist you can find us on twitter at wgta underscore fpl you can use spotify or soundcloud wherever you'd like to listen and subscribe so uh what are we going to be talking about today then tom so, so this week it's all about over management um elective versus enforced transfers and maybe thinking to ourselves should we actually upweight the value we put on doing nothing some weeks the importance of being idle perhaps we're also going to devote a bit of time to look at the final couple of captains as our b story what's the crack with the armband you know everyone's going to think it's an oasis theme now you've said importance of being idle so <laughs> it's, it's not actually but um, there is a theme as usual to the pod this week but yeah uh, speaking of armbands anyway um I used my triple captain and it was a great success. So uh, shall we get on with the... Uh, <laughs> if I was going to think it's a... Borat theme. It's Borat now. Yeah. <laughs> great success. Yeah, great success. Uh, yes. Uh, shall we do game week reviews then? Do you want to go first, Tom? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, I will. I will. I, I got 97 points. Not too bad at all. I could have gotten to the 100 if I'd have benched Ericsson or Pogba for Grey, which I was never, ever going to do. Uh, so 97 points, I'll take it. It's not as bad as getting 99 points, I suppose. Um, I would have got that if I benched Ryan for Leno. Uh, but you know, overall, very, very good. Um, Alexander-Arnold, who came in for Kolasinac, uh, got me 10 points. Robertson and uh, Mane captain. If only he'd scored that uh, that hat-trick goal, he uh, would have got a hat-trick of headers uh, not seen since Solomon Rondon for West Brom all that time ago when I bought him in just after. Um, but yeah, not too bad i didn't get any bonus though it's a bit of a shame and uh, jamie vardy with the last gasp brace uh, against my team arsenal to be honest i was kind of half celebrating half commiserating on that one uh, but the commiserations soon turned into massive celebrations so i realized that uh, to the chagrin of poor old goops i'd have uh, won the month in our mini league nick uh, uh won 10 pounds so that's two that's 20 pounds so the mini league washed its own face this year so i'm Fairly happy. Other than that, you know, the likes of uh, Jimenez, Laporte and uh, James Ward-Prowse uh, came through for me. So, yeah, 97 points. And I'm up to a massive 275k, which sounds absolutely terrible. However, in game week 29, I was sub a million. Uh, so not too bad. If only I was able to put together a decent middle run, eh, Nick? Uh, what about you? How did you do? I know you had a, a really stonking week there. Yeah, it was pretty damn good. Um, 108 points in total. Um, Salah, I mean, he contributed 57 of them because, of course, I, I put the triple captain on him. Um, I actually transferred him in and Iose Perez um, on a hit uh, for Lacazette and Ericsson, which was actually, I think, one of my first and perhaps most successful hits ever, uh, which, um, yeah, I'm very pleased about um, what Salah delivered. Uh, Robertson got 14 points. He's sort of been my stalwart all season. First defender ever in FPL to reach 200 points, which is an amazing achievement. Just um, goes to show what a brilliant FPL player he has been this season. Uh, Laporte in defence also got me nine. And um, I opted to to play Valerie ahead of Kolasinac, um, which turned out to be a good decision as well. He got me four points. And then, um, yeah, Perez um, unfortunately got injured, but still picked up seven. And Jimenez got me seven as well. So, yeah, pretty, pretty decent. Well, you're back to being king of the rodeo there, Nick, aren't you, really? Uh, although you're probably not going to win our mini-league. I think you're definitely on the podium now, which is all good. Right, uh, shall we move on to the offensive theme this week, which is about over-management? Uh, what is this? Uh, what the hell have you guys come up with now is probably what you're asking. Uh, another way of putting it, as I mentioned earlier, is the importance of being idle. Uh, this came through chats on our little Slack, so shout out to all the guys there. Uh, but the premise is that as engaged FPR managers, we often feel the need, you know, due to thinking a lot about our teams, due to the short-termist nature of the content churn, you know, things like weak differentials, weekly captains, weekly teams, uh, to do something many weeks. The need to act is valued more highly than staying still and trusting your team. Over-management is making non-essential transfers and taking hits 
when a valid course of action actually is doing nothing. Like how many times have we seen that you know people say, oh, I can either do A or B, when the C, an unspoken C, is actually I can do nothing this week. Obvious caveat here is that Captain Hindsight, Hindsight Bias is in play. Um, so we are looking at things through that lens. We're, we know that, we're aware of that, but it's still very, very interesting to look at um, this sort of thing, isn't it? Like trying to understand how we can play better and uh, perhaps give uh, some, uh, some hints and tips for next season, I suppose, at this point. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the aim, looking at what we've done wrong this season and, and trying to see what we can do to improve for the next season. And yeah, it's, it's not just about taking hits, it's about actually using those one free transfer when you have it as well. Sometimes it might be best to just leave the team be. You don't have to use that transfer each week. Sometimes it's, it's a good idea to roll and it gives you more flexibility down the line as well. Yeah, uh, the value of patience is well wrought. Uh, Villaronca is very famous for not doing very much, not really taking that many chances, and he always does well. Um, Sky player in FPL, Paul, he's currently leading our mini league, um, but he's told us he's burnt a few chances this season with two FT, so he just didn't even need to change anything. Uh, reactions to a bad game week often tend to lead towards action. You know, I want to make a change to make things better after a poor week. We place the emphasis on our actions and connect that with a perceived positive result. Actually, it can often be better to not panic. We're overmanaging our teams if we do that. Often it's better to just leave it be, as you just said. I mean, how many times as well have we left a player alone that we'd have removed, if not for other fires, only to see that asset rally? Like Dinier is a good example for people who kept him in um, after a few bad weeks and have, have got the rewards there now. And there are two parts to this almost. One is a hit or transfer analysis. Um, it's not just hits, of course. It's non-essential transfers. I mean, it was actually better to just wait. And the opportunity cost. So what did moving that week preclude me from doing the next week? Part one's done by many, but I think part two, the fact that it restricts what you can do next is what really makes over-management a thing, I think. Yeah, yeah. So we've, we've both um, done some analysis of our, our teams, um, looked at our transfers, who kicked the bucket at which moment. And uh, yeah, it's probably best if you go first and sort of do your analysis where you're kind of trying to identify what went wrong and what weeks. And obviously, you need some level of management. We're not saying that all, <laughs> yeah. management, all management is stupid and, you know, like we should have just stuck with our ghost ship from, from game week one. But no, um, let's, let's hear um, what you did then, Tom, and, uh, and what your thoughts are. Uh, there's only one point to look at for me, which is uh, the horror period between game weeks uh, 16 and 23. So that starts off with me removing Salah, Robbo and Arnie, who was injured, and bringing in Kane, Tia, and Sane. That was before uh, Salah played Bournemouth, and uh, yeah, that 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 really hurt me. Yeah. A few other transfers coming up, you know, things like in game week seventeen, my reaction was to remove Tia, who didn't play because he was injured, and bring in Kalasinac. Um, and that set in train a lot of other transfers, which were suboptimal, so to speak. So from then till game week 23, lots of players moved in and out of my team. I lost discipline entirely. Players like Kevin De Bruyne, Anthony Martial came into my sides. I was looking for, you know, those, those four kicks to get me going uh, rather than buying Salah back in. And, you know, I did the count up and tried to figure out, you know, what I could have done and should have done. Um, and I've calculated that I've lost 139 points through over-managing. Uh, that's 47 points uh, for Mo in that period, who would have been the captain probably, to 94 points lost. And on top of that is all of the hits and all of the players that I brought in who are suboptimal. If I'd have just left the team to roll over, and a good counterpoint to this is FPL General, who I know is also having a very bad season, but has shown his moment of class in moments like this. The week that Arnie got injured, he just benched him captain Salah and rolled the transfer as I reacted very very strongly and um, you know I was thinking oh, I've got to make a change because the week before that was the week where Salah came off the bench against Burnley and got an assist that kind of uh, gave me a bit of a red arrow and I think I overreacted a little bit I was drunk but that's no excuse the reality is sometimes the fact is that you're, you're very close to it you're very you're always thinking about it you're thinking how can I make this right how can I make this right um, and made a lot of chances in this period you know took a minus eight, a minus four, a minus eight, and it just didn't solve the issue. And the obvious issue was sitting in front of me, get Salah back. And um, there were times when I made a transfer when I had a perfectly reasonable uh, alternative on the bench. I think it really was over management in that area that I was too busy trying to you know, mess around with it and make big changes when in fact, small incremental changes, just fixing the wrong was what was really important. I know it sounds really logical, but often when you are in that moment of just panic, when you're in that moment of not doing particularly well, uh, you are prone to moments like this occurring, aren't you? At the end of the day, I always say to keep 
calm and follow the template, not kind of experiment too much with these differentials. You mentioned, you know, Kevin De Bruyne and Anthony Martial, these players might have been showing that they, they might have a little bit of glimmer of form, but, you know, at the end of the day, there were other assets that perhaps if you'd, you know, stayed with the likes of Mo Salah, as you mentioned, you, you, you'd held Aiden Hazard all through that period or Raheem Sterling and just, you know, stopped rotating your team so much, then uh, you, you'd be in a much stronger position than you are now. Yeah, I, th- I think that 139 points lost is, is particularly galling because that would take me up to, what, easily in the top 10k if I'd have played that slightly better action for me was connected with fixing things. And actually, a lot of the time, I wasn't valuing the fact that if I'd have just left it, taken stock, tried to deal with it you know, with patience and tried to deal with it through not overreacting as I see it now through the, through the lens of hindsight that would have been a much better way of doing it but about you what have you been looking at in terms of how over management has impacted you I know it's been a bit of a different story for you because although you haven't quite hit the heights of last season I'm sure you won't mind me saying um you still managed to kind of preserve your place in the top 100k at least um so how's it gone for you yeah, so it's, it's been interesting. There's obviously been bad decisions. There's been good decisions. I've kind of, you know, I really hoped that I would hit some form um, in the second half of the season. But actually, I found that I've actually struggled this season with the chips compared to last year and the single game weeks, even though I've tried to manage my team around the single game weeks. I've tried to manage them around the free hits, the bench boost. I had more red arrows than green arrows during this period, which was a bit of a disappointment, of course. But, um, you know, last week was obviously very good. But some of my decisions um perhaps I shouldn't have made at the time and obviously with the benefit of hindsight they look a bit daft but um it's actually for my season in particular it's, it's felt like a, a tale of three positions to a certain extent because um in terms of the defense I've actually had a really successful season in terms of those defenders that I've picked uh, throughout the season and um and actually quite an interesting part of the season, I actually didn't make a single defensive transfer for 13 game weeks and um, I just had a solid defence that didn't need to be overmanaged, didn't need to be changed at all. Uh, Doherty, AWB, Robertson, who I've owned all season, uh, Luca Dean and Alonso, and, and they were just smashing it week in, week out. And eventually um, I had to make a few changes, but it was actually, it worked out quite well. The guys I brought in, Dean left because of his suspension and I brought in Laporte. Uh, Pereira came in for Alonso. He was a bit of a disappointment, but then, you know, I um, had a bit of a swapper as well, with David Luiz, and he, he did all right for me too. So it's, um, you know, in terms of the defence, it's been pretty successful. And my defenders have outscored my forwards this season in terms of points per game, which which is a bit ridiculous, really, to be honest. Um, yeah, that is crazy. The, num- the numbers for the f- defenders, though, have been pretty good all season, haven't they? Like, they've been outscoring the forwards consistently. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, pre-season, I talked about the, the death of the first striker. It seems to be death of the striker completely now. Is seems to be what I've advocating, especially after watching that Chelsea-Manchester United game where you saw those 10 million FPL forwards lumbering around like dinosaurs being offside constantly. It was, it was horrifying to watch, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I, I guess over the course of the season, though, have you found that doing nothing has benefited you? Yeah, I think I think so to a certain extent. And, you know, um, looking at the midfielders, it was, it's actually a bit shocking in terms of how I've tried to chase points to a certain extent and not really to my benefit as well. Um, you, you know, I obviously have um, complained in the past about Eden Hazard and um, him trolling me a fair bit. But uh, And um, a lot of people said, actually, this guy, a lot of people on Twitter said, I've just had him all season. He's been brilliant. Stop calling him a troll. And, you know, there's been a lot of backlash in terms of people calling Hazard a troll in general online um, and I think you know it's, it's a fair point to be honest um, I looked at the numbers he's actually been in and out of my team six times this season which is a bit silly think of all those wasted transfers um, Ster- Sterling as well has been in out, out of my team six times whilst um, the guy who I always praise in comparison Mo Salah I've only I've had him for all but two game weeks so maybe I should have just sat with Hazard or sat with Sterling all season and uh, I wouldn't have had um, so much rotation. I mean, the same with Mane. Mane's been in and out five times. Son has come in and out seven times in total, which is a bit ridiculous that I'm constantly chopping and changing this midfield, trying to chase points and not always working as well. I've missed a lot of Hazard's hauls. I've missed a a number of Sterling's hauls as well. And it it hasn't really worked out in terms of the midfield for me either. Like the forward line, it's just the defenders who I sat on and, and stuck with throughout the season that did well for me. 
Yeah, exactly. I think maybe, you know, somewhat a rejoinder could be, oh, well, you know, fixtures were this, the form dropped off a little bit. As you said at the beginning, like, we're not saying that you just don't manage your team and leave it as a zombie team. Like, you can see with our zombie teams and the majority of the zombie teams in that zombie mini league, uh, that that isn't particularly beneficial to do. But sometimes it is about striking that balance, perhaps, between uh, over-managing your team and managing it with that sense of patience. You know, sometimes you think, oh, I could use somebody in that position. But actually, the reality is that the guy you've got there is good enough already. Like, there's no need to be chopping and changing, as you said. Because some of those numbers are like removing players six, seven times, getting them in again. Uh, surely you could have saved those transfers and surely you know there is an element of just tinkering around the edges over management and I've done it as well and I'm sure many of you listening have too just to read off as well I asked on Twitter about this like any elements of over managing that you've done recently and I think that it definitely does seem to be a thing and I think it definitely does sting with a lot of people uh, that removing players when you shouldn't really be doing so is, is a big issue so Mitchell Sterling our friend who does talisman theory with us he removed Sally before Bournemouth and he also removed Son before Everton which I know let's talk FPL Andy did uh, FPL Guidance said that uh, all of his hits this season except for one, uh, could have been avoided. Uh, that was a enforced hit, which he did need to take, but the rest of them were completely non-essential when it came to the numbers. Uh, Samuel De Bruyne said he removed uh, Jimenez um, because he, he was worried that he was going to be dropped, uh, sold him for Rashford, and Jimenez went on to score first two points in uh, three game weeks versus Rashford's 11. Quite a few sad stories like that. And yeah, there, there are a few kind of stories of positivity as well. So FPL Costanza, so he didn't fancy any KDB replacements this week, so he benched him, played grey, he's now got two two, three transfers and eight points. Whereas if he'd swapped him for someone like Ericsson, he'd have used his transfer on somebody who got two points and you know had less flex there. And then Matt FPL Lock said in game week 15, he scored 38, his lowest weekly score. He was thinking about it, but he did, didn't panic. He did nothing. And the next week he got 109. So it's just, it just goes to show that sometimes your team is, is not actually bad. It's just you've had a bad set of results in that particular week. And it's just the short-termism of being engaged in the community and thinking about it a lot, which is what's driving you to make changes. And often you are just over-managing if you are being driven by that impulse. But it's often a better idea to sit on your hands and do nothing. So, spoken about that a little bit, what can we do about it, Nick? What do you think is the solution? <laughs> I think at the end of the day, you've, you've just got to, you've, you've got to kind of not overanalyze it. Sometimes I think you can get bogged down with the amount of information that there is on the internet. Um, you know, you, you log on to Twitter, you'll see plenty of posts, for instance, you know, raving about Aguero and how all these people are captaining him. And, you know, just a hypothetical example of a player, and and you suddenly think, oh. God, I don't have any Manchester City coverage or I don't have Aguero and and they're playing West Ham and it's, it's all going to blow up in my face if I, I don't have, don't get Aguero. And you, you have to kind of, at the end of the day, you kind of just sew things down a little bit, look at your team again and say, actually, it's not too bad. I've got Salah and Mane and, and they're playing... Um, you know, they're playing Leicester or something like that. You know, you've got Aubameyang and he's got a decent game and, and there's, there's no need to kind of rush to to change things up and, and take risks, especially if the players you're thinking about selling are in form. You know, you've got to just maintain, sometimes I think you have to maintain a little bit of composure, perhaps. Um, take one week at a time, especially with some of these premium players. You know, this season's been a really tough one. And I think that's indicative in terms of the golden boot race, which is completely open. You know, even the likes of Jamie Vardy seems to still be in it in terms of getting that. You know, we've got Salah and Mane, you know, Haz, Sterling, Aubameyang, all these other players are all, you know, in with a chance of, of getting that golden boot. And it's been so open that I think what I've done a little bit too much of is, is chopping and changing, trying to, you know, follow the trends. Sometimes you have to try and look at the, the longer game and the longer picture and uh, and trust in some of your players a little bit more, perhaps. That's the thing. I think the moments you live in always seem short and always seems a shorter space between the game weeks. But the season is a long, old season. And often we tend to forget that because we over-focus on a few things. Just to draw on behavioural science a little bit, you mentioned earlier with that Aguero example, that's fear of missing out, FOMO. I mentioned earlier the content churn goes week to week and content like this is created. Uh, and it's a case of being a responsible manager, recognising what does and what does not suit you. If you've got some good alternatives, it doesn't really matter that everybody else has got those kinds of players it's just you've got these good players you're probably okay but you know uh, is mitigated by the fact you've got to manage your team a little bit there's no doubt about that that links into herd mentality that's the idea that fear and greed drive you fear because you're scared of what other people can do greed because you want those points but 
often it's, it's actually a good idea to, to reject that and also a good idea to stick to your own gun. So, for example, keeping hold of Pogba during both of our wild cards and we were rewarded, albeit luckily, uh, with the two penalties against West Ham that gave us, you know, 14, 15 points other people didn't have. And the other one's novelty effects, which is quite interesting. Uh, that's valuing something new over something old. Um, so we value something shiny and new in the team that we have, a new exciting addition. And that can be linked to why we act to buy a player in that we want. I think the, the overriding messages is just to remember that doing nothing is a viable, valuable option. We often devalue this in our minds when, when, we, when we're making our decisions. We say, all right, A or B, as I mentioned earlier on, these are my two options. Actually, C, doing nothing, is often a very, very good pick too. And even if it means burning a transfer, if it means that for one week your team does not look good on paper when we go into the game week, I think that's a big lesson for me that actually probably it's better to get that free transfer, get that flexibility, cut through the short-termism and think, what can I do next week as well? And how might this week's move impinge on that? I think that's a very valid point. I think often you get caught up in, in the one game week as well. For instance, you know, there might suddenly be a rush for everyone to to transfer in Harry Kane because he's playing Cardiff at home or Fulham at home. But, you know, what Kane like, we've seen it the last couple of seasons, you're inevitably blank, of course, and you've just wasted a hit to get this guy in and, and they've got a tough game. And you've sold someone like Hazard who who gets a brace and you know, we see it happen all the time. And I think I've got to try and learn from these mistakes that I've made just, you know, be more conservative perhaps than I have been. <laughs> How's that even possible? You become the Jacob Rees-Mogg of Twitter. Oh, God, don't even <laughs> say that, guys. <laughs> but yeah, I think fundamentally what we're saying is don't overmanage, but don't neglect your team. It's always about the balance and getting that right. Some are much better at doing that than others, cutting out all the noise, certainly better than we are. Uh, but at the end of the day, we hope that drawing attention to this helps you all in the future. All right, let's uh, take a break there and move on to Captaincy Corner. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and we'll talk about the captains now. And it's mostly we focus on game week 37, obviously, coming up. But worth talking about, because I think this game week is an interesting one. There doesn't seem to be a clear-cut captain. And we're at that point in the season now where people are going to be consolidate their rank in some people's cases or to, you know, really try to make their final push. Uh, but it is a game week where there's... Not really a clear-cut captain. Like, you know, maybe if Harry Kane was around, we'd all be captaining him against Bournemouth. Like, you know, if you got a hat-trick for me a few years ago against them. Obviously, that's not the case. Uh, maybe if Wolves were better against the uh, bottom six teams, we'd be captaining Jimenez against Fulham. But again, probably not the case. Uh, so quite a few guys floating around. And I think it was definitely worth kind of just talking about and doing a quick kind of analysis of them. And um, I think the one that people are probably going to be auto-captaining is Kun Aguero, um, him or Raheem Sterling. And it's just worth mentioning, you know, City are up against Leicester. Uh, City have scored uh, 56 goals at home and have created 75 big chances all season at home. Uh, so, yeah, you might be thinking, oh, you know, they're the best team. That's probably the best way to go. But it's worth noting that Leicester are actually a decent team away uh, defensively. Uh, they're fifth from Boston for big chances conceded this season away from home. Uh, it's actually all right. Uh, who knows versus City, but I'm sure Bodger was going to have some idea of how to deal with them. Uh, Kun Aguero has more big chances than any forward at home. The highest XGI at home, which is higher than Aubameyang now. Sterling is second to Salah. He's again outshot his uh, XGI, so he's, he's performing better than you'd expect. But I'm guessing they're both quite good options, and I'm guessing that we're going to see a lot of people captioning a, a City asset for Monday night. Yeah, perhaps. To be honest, I, I'm not huge on um, saying that Manchester City have the best captaincy options um, right now. Um, they're playing Leicester, but Leicester have actually been pretty pretty damn decent under Brendan Rodgers. And, and you saw it, obviously, in the Arsenal game as well, where they kept a clean sheet. And in terms of shots on target this season, they're at, they've actually got the fourth best defence, having only had 129 shots on target all season. And uh, I, think that's, I think that's pretty decent. I think they're pretty solid. The good thing about Manchester City assets, though, is they're pretty much guaranteed to play. Sterling's definitely going to play. Negrero is definitely going to play. So, you know, they don't have Champions League. They're fighting for the title. There's not going to be any rotation there at all, um, apart from perhaps with Leroy Sane, if you own Leroy Sane. But... Um, I think, yeah, Manchester City assets, whilst it's interesting, I've actually looked at a couple of other teams, Tom. Well, firstly, I think we should probably talk about United. Um, and I think, um, obviously, United aren't looking great at the moment. But it is worth remembering how, how dire their opponents actually are. You know, um, they Huddersfield shipped four against West Ham, four against Leicester, four against Spurs, five against Liverpool in the last few weeks. You know, they're, they're looking absolutely terrible. And, and I feel like a, a good United's going to turn up. But it, there might be a question. Ole might 
choose to play the youth. I don't know. It depends which Pogba will show up as well. Because I think Pogba is the only one we need to talk about as a, a real captaincy pick. Um, he's on penalties. He's actually still second for goal attempts this season in amongst midfielders uh, with 98. I think he's definitely still someone to uh, to consider with the armband, even though the one time I did captain him this season, he got me a minus two. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Pogba's one of those players that I think a lot of people are looking at because they've got Ericsson and Son and maybe having both of them after Spurs' performance against West Ham, which I'm sure you were ranting and raving about. I think it might make sense to get rid of one through nice dash. So, I mean, they've done all right. They're the last six away matches. They're fourth overall for shots on target with 26. Joint fourth as well with Leicester and Tottenham uh, for overall attempts. And joint sit with Fulham for attempts in the box. So there, are, there is some kind of mileage there. Pogba himself, regardless of what your analysis of his mood is, um, I get the feeling he's going to be too good for Huddersfield and Cardiff. I mean, 60 points, I think he scored against the bottom four clubs. And 28 points have been scored versus Huddersfield and Cardiff in the reverse fixtures, albeit that was in the Renaissance when OGS actually came in. The trend for high scores against Huddersfield as well is very difficult to ignore. I think that stats may not be pointing quite to Pogba. I mean, on the season level, yes, over the last few game weeks, perhaps no. But having any sort of player against Huddersfield and, and backing them does seem to be a, a decent gambit, right? Like, are you considering Pogba? I kind of am. I am I'm considering him. I think it's just, I think he is the only one really that you can you can look at in that Manchester United team. Unfortunately, Alexis isn't on fire, is he? Um, you know, we've got, also got youth and young manhood in Jesse Lingard, but, not, you know, those aren't the kind of guys that are really standing out as uh, FPL picks this season. I think the only other one, perhaps I'm, of interest, and it's more for a transfer rather than captaincy, is, is Marcus Rashford, but a lot depends on his fitness as well. I can't believe Lingard uh, didn't get the Young Player of the Year. I can't believe Sterling won that over him. Him and Trippier were criminally overlooked for that. And Carl <laughs> Walker as well. Carl awesome. Walker, yeah, young players. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. Um, I think that I would only consider captain in Pogba. I would really consider it, basically. Um, I mentioned Spurs earlier. We'll talk about them before we move on to Liverpool, which I'm sure you're chomping at the bit to talk about and praise Mo Salah even more. Uh, but uh, Son's got five and five against Bournemouth. Ericsson's also got good stats. So Chris Tan um, posted that not very long ago. Uh, so I'm guessing some people may be looking at a, a differential Spurs captain. But I mean, as a Spurs fan, Nick, do you think that we can really trust them given the fact that all eyes are going to be on the Ajax game? I think that's going to be a problem as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously Kane's out. Ali's playing such a, a sort of defensive role at the moment for some reason in the team that you're only really looking at Son and Ericsson. And Son has been a little bit disappointing um, since I've brought him into my team. He hasn't hasn't scored in a few week, a few game weeks. Ericsson as well. I thought Ericsson might even miss out of the West Ham game, but he looks absolutely knackered. Um, so I think it is a little bit of a concern. You know, I'd, I'd almost fancy um, some of the Bournemouth picks, perhaps um, not as captains, but as, as players to bring in, like Callum Wilson or Fraser, because they've just been absolutely smashing it offensively. And I think it's going to be a tough game for Spurs. It depends which Bournemouth shows up, I suppose. I mean, um, Adam Hockcroft uh, noted that um, he, uh, Callum Wilson was second to Jamie Vardy for XG over the last four or six games, I think it is. So, yeah, pretty decent. I mean, the Spurs as well actually have a fairly decent uh, spacing now between the fixtures, unlike uh, not very long ago. Uh, play that they put Ajax on Tuesday, Saturday at lunchtime, they've got Bournemouth. Uh, Wednesday, they've got the Ajax return game. So Saturday to Wednesday, that's pretty decent. I don't think you'd be too worried about rotation there. Uh, the final game is uh, Sunday again against Everton. And after that, they've got a whole, almost a month um, until the Champions League final, provided they get that far, um, which is uh, on the 1st of June. Um, so I, I can't, I don't think anybody should be looking at that and thinking, oh, okay, my player's going to be rotated. Because rotated for what? is going to be the question. That Bournemouth game is probably the last one. Um, I don't mm. see why players are not going to be playing against Everton on the final day because that will mean that players don't play from Wednesday the 8th of May to the 1st of June. Um, that, that's absolutely ridiculous. It's not going to happen. Uh, so you're probably going to see a fairly decent strength, uh, Spurs team. It's just whether they still got it in the league. I mean, Lee mm. a couple of weeks ago on the pod was saying that Watford's, because of the FA Cup final, they're going to be pulling out the challenges and they're going to be limiting the intensity of what they do. And, Seemingly, that may be the case for Spurs, especially against Bournemouth. So I wouldn't be too interested there. But Liverpool against Newcastle, Nick, I think that's where you're probably going to be uh, captioning your 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 main man, your Bo Mo Salah. 
Yeah, I think Mo's going to be my captain this week. And probably probably for game week 38, I feel like I'm just going to be auto-captaining him um, right until the end of the season, my streaming of Revelry. I think um, with, with Salah, he is actually absolutely smashing it for the stats. In the last six game weeks, he's, he's still, still really up there. You know, 58 penalty touches um, in that particular metric. Him and Hazard are miles away from anyone else in midfield. In terms of goal attempts, he's twenty-nine. He's had 29 in the last six game weeks. That's almost five a game. That's five ahead of Ericsson, nine ahead of third place for Charleston. He's had 14 shots on target in those games, which is not, um, you know, five ahead of second place Madison. And in terms of the overall metrics, he's been leading all season as well. Goal attempts and, and goals as well. Looks like he's going to be stealing that golden boot. And I think it's actually quite harsh that he wasn't in the um, the shortlist for player of the season and in the team of the year either. But you know me, I'm a bit of a Salah fanboy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, you definitely, definitely are. I, mean, I think you try, drive the fact that we spend most time speaking about most Salah on this pod, uh, surprisingly. But you know, he, he's still underperforming his XGI and XG away from home, so it's entirely possible he smashes it against uh, Newcastle. Uh, suggestions are that Benitez will donate three points to Liverpool scores. I'm, I'm sure that's not quite the case, but you can imagine Liverpool winning there and uh, Mane as well. But worth a mention. Um, Admittedly, his returns, apart from the Fulham game in, in recent history, haven't really come away from home. Uh, so, for example, um, from game week 24, six of his seven returns have been at, uh, been at home um, at Anfield. So, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe I'm a bit reluctant to Captain Mane this week. I don't know what it is. I, I'm not too sure about it, basically. Um, but he's also underperforming on metrics like his XGI. So there could be um, an option for him to come in there. But he, he doesn't... Um, doesn't seem to pass him. It was really funny, wasn't it, watching them play against Huddersfield. Like, neither of them were passing to each other. When the ball went into the middle, they were literally just falling over each other to get in the way. Mo was just like elbowing Mane, get out of the way. I, I, want, I want to take this shot. Absolutely brilliant. There was a moment when the ball came over from Trent Alexander-Arnold and I thought, this is an assist, definitely. Both got in each other's way. Absolutely brilliant. But there is one guy um, I really like this week. I don't know if I'm going to be able to bring him in after all of our discussions about over-management because it would be a minus four. Uh, but it's Eden Hazard, a one final final bring him in so last time when i got rid of him i thought yeah this is it for us eden um but he's got 10 14 16 and 7 his last four home games and watford are up next at the bridge i did comparison of eden has his last six home and away and it is day and night at home he's got almost double the xg double the xa and almost double the xgi interestingly actually he's had less frequent shots and he's equal for shots in the box but more on target at home better accuracy gets in better positions and he is a difference maker as we've seen many times over the course of the season as Chelsea's talisman I just wonder whether the the agreement that he's got with them is yeah get us to the top four and then you can uh, go off to Madrid uh, but you can't argue against those uh, last four scores so Watford aren't that bad away from home they've conceded more chance on the left flank than anywhere else though they're fifth for that only two less than Huddersfield actually season long away uh, so maybe you'd be thinking yeah um, Hazard is a, is a good choice um, for that if you still have him or maybe you can bring him in whether it's worth it for a minus four, I'm not entirely sure, given who you'd be removing. Uh, but I think he could be one that um, really can make a difference. I think that the ownership in the top 10K is pretty low because people have obviously flocked to Mane, uh, the likes of Son as well. Um, but I, th- I think he could be a really, really good option. I think so, yeah. I think Hazard, why not? I mean, it's potentially going to be his his last Premier League game at Stamford Bridge and he's going to probably want to put on a performance for the fans. So, um, yeah, I think he, he'd be a really good um, pick if you owned him and uh, why not give him the armband as well, for sure. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm thinking as well. Is it a punt or is it over-management, Nick? Who knows? Uh, but I, I think it is it is definitely a, a mouth-watering prospect uh, f- for him. Uh, it would just be a heart-shake, heartbreak if I bring him in. Imagine if it was a final uh, a final trolling for him. Like You would be rolling out the poopy butthole uh, reference <laughs> as quickly as you possibly could. Just a, um, yeah, just one last minus four for a blank, just just you know for old times' sake. Oh, it would be so hazard, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Um, uh, and also, kind of the final day. Um, FPL added one two three asked us about this. He said, you know, game week thirty seven, there seems to be a lot of scope for good captains. Game week thirty eight, not so much. Uh, there are a lot of choices this week, as we've mentioned. Hence, why I've had a look at them. A uh, game week thirty eight is is always one of those weeks, isn't it? It's a bit like game week one. It's an utter crapshoot. Uh, 27 goals overall last season and some really balmy results. You know, 5-4 Tottenham and Leicester after we'd all sold Vardy, all, all sold Mares, and they, they came in and uh, contributed and combined like that. Um, 
I'm not too sure, and we'll have a look on next week's pod uh, what sense we could make of, of this kind of carnival final game week. But I'm not too sure we can really make any recommendations right now, right? Because you know Cardiff could still be in, in with a shout if Brighton managed to beat Arsenal. Like, you know, sure anyone could be Arsenal right now, right? But Brighton are also so bad that. I know, it's like the unstoppable force meeting the immovable object of, of awfulness. So, Christ knows what's going to happen there. Hopefully, a nil nil because I've got Leno. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's uh, it'll be an interesting one with Game Week 38, won't it? I mean, do you have any, uh, in, uh, we'll talk about it a little bit more next week, of course. But, Game Week 38, do you think it's even worth at this point thinking about anything to do with that? Or would you think it's best to wait until we get to that point and then uh, make, your, uh, make your move? Yeah, I haven't really overthought about what I want to do that week probably going to do some form of transfer like I said probably just keep it on the the Liverpool asset um you know there's one player I was actually thinking about getting in um was Sergio Aguero potentially for that week just just for old times sakes you know if he you can you can just see it can't you he's he's, it's one all and he scores in the 90th minute the shirt will come off the shirt will come off for a yellow card though so that's 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 one downside (laughs) but you can you can just see it happening can't you uh yeah, you know, um, in the final game week against Brighton, you know, they'll have playing all out defence as usual. Yeah, so you can see them getting between Duffy and Dunk. Duffy uh, trying to take him down or something like that, an agricultural challenge, and Sergio riding it to smash it in top bins. Uh, yeah, the other one I quite like is Mitrovic versus Old Club Newcastle, unceremoni- unceremoniously. Uh, booted out because he didn't fit Rafa's style of play, only for them to bring in Solomon Rondon, who's obviously a, a lot more mobile and a lot less of a donkey. Right, uh, let's take a break there and we'll move on to the features. Just lovely slagging off Rondon any chance you get. I said he wasn't a donkey. He's had a good season. He's had a good season. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so we're back and it's the feature section now. It's where we do our regular free features, which are the market forces of a Nick Pick and the All Englands. Uh, the market forces is where we start and that's a section where we use FPL NTI days to look at the moves and shakers in FPL. Nick, uh, you've been looking at the numbers. What are you seeing? So, yeah, so it's all about, it's actually all about the Wolves players this game week, uh, specifically the double J's, Yotta and Jimenez. And uh, yeah, they're both brilliant, obviously, um, in the last game against Watford. And um, with Fulham at home up next, you can kind of understand why a lot of attention is being drawn towards those guys. Um, Yotta has had 46,000 transfers in at this time. He's the most transferred in player. Jimenez is the third most transferred in player with 39,000 um, transfers in. And with Jimenez, it's almost a surprise that. There's people out there that, that don't own him, considering how poor the, the front line generally has been this season and how Jimenez has proved to be such a value pick in, in that particular area. And in Yotta as well, um, you know, dodgy start to the season, but he, he really has upped his game in the last few game weeks. Um, and a goal and assists against Watford, where he played absolutely brilliantly. I can understand at his price why um, so many people are transferring him in. Yeah, exactly. I, I think I, I saw a, a really nice stat that he had um, exclusively um, assisted uh, Jimenez more times than any other player had uh, ever in the Premier League. Uh, so quite a nice bromance going on there. I think that Yotta is definitely uh, benefiting from the fact that Jimenez is being kind of circled and underlined as being Wolves' key threat. And that Yotta is getting a bit more space, I think, to do what he wants to do. And I think next season as well, I think that Jimenez is going to get a very high price. I'm sure it'll be like nine ish to make, to make him into a choice pick rather than auto includes and maybe yota yota jota is going to be an interesting one then um but yeah I, I'm, I'm not really too surprised with Fulham up next that those two are being brought in but they're not particularly good are they against the bottom six so it could easily be a shock and could easily be a lot of people going oh you know i've, I've made the transfer i've controlled yeah, definitely. I mean, and Fulham, for some reason, have decided that they're actually going to start showing some defensive solidity. They've had um, they've had a few clean sheets in a row, haven't they? And uh, Sergio Rico's been, you know, looking for another Premier Club, Premier League club to take him on next season. Clearly, with some of his brilliant performances. So yeah, Fulham um, actually, with their current form, are actually looking like a um, you know potential banana skin for Wolves as, as they um, they lost to Huddersfield both games this season, didn't they? But um, otherwise, it's, it's Callum Wilson. That's being transferred in. He's the second most transferred in player, and um, you know, I mentioned earlier about Spurs, and um, you, you can see you can see a performance coming in from um, 
Bournemouth potentially. Wilson's been, you know, really good. Um, he's he's been one of those players that you know a lot of people have suffered from by owning him in the wrong patches. But you know, the last few game weeks he's really turned it up another notch with a 15 pointer against Brighton and a 16 pointer against Southampton. And uh, you can definitely see the potential for returns. He's another player that's potentially going to get um, a large price hike next season, especially if he moves in the summer. Yeah, exactly. Wilson and uh, Hazard are on a similar level, aren't they? A player that you just stick in your team and leave him there. Take the poor performances because both of those double-figure scores were, of course, sandwiched by a blank against Fulham. Uh, however, I, I can understand why people are buying him. Although, you know, with Spurs next, uh, that's quite a tough one. It's just the case of whether he he and Bournemouth are going to uh, decide to show up and whether Howe's going to start Fraser. No idea why he was benched and brought on after 25 minutes or something uh, in the last game. That's, that made zero sense to me. Uh, elsewhere, uh, we see uh, Sadio Mane brought in by 35,000 people and uh, Bilva, Bernardo Silva, has been brought in by 33,000. But the, the transfers out are, are actually really interesting, aren't they, this week? Yeah, for sure. And I was talking about the Manchester United players and they're actually um, with Huddersfield away and Cardiff at home for the last two game weeks of the season. You don't get much better fixtures than that. You know, a sort of a perfect final two games for them. So it is a bit of a surprise to see Pogba so heavily sold with over 46,000 transfers out um, at this moment in time. It seems like obviously a few people just getting really frustrated. Perhaps, you know, fans of the club are just so fed up with this guy. They just want, they just want rid. They just want to get rid of him out of the team. They want to see him again. They don't want to hear his name mentioned. But, you know, he, like I said, he is on penalties. His underlying stats over the course of the season have been pretty decent. So maybe he will um, he will play well against um and get some points for Hudson. I certainly wouldn't have sold him, especially with you know some of the options in midfield. I think Pogba's perhaps still a, a better pick, and, and Rashford's also being sold. And they're second and third most transferred out players at the moment in time. Rashford's had forty five thousand transfers out, and uh, yeah, he's only scored once since game week twenty six. So I can understand that if you've been holding him for all that period, you've perhaps fed up. You're seeing Jimenez points, you're seeing Wilson points consistently. You know, you, you're thinking why. Why do I still have this guy? And um, he's still got a twenty-two percent ownership, so I can I can understand the appeal, but it's, it doesn't seem like the right moment to be selling him. You know, if you were going to be selling him, you're going to be transferring him out. You just would have done it before they played Chelsea and Manchester, Manchester City, surely, rather than before a Huddersfield game. So it seems it seems a little bit unusual for me. Yeah, I mean, he has got a yellow flag and seems to have a bit of a shoulder issue. I mean, on the other side of it, 27,000 people have bought in Rashford and 25,000 people have bought in Pogba. So it is definitely going on. Uh, worth noting as well that Sergio Aguero is now the highest owned player in the game, 40.6% uh, owned um, at the time of recording, uh, brought in by 30,000 people. And I guess uh, your man, uh, Firmino, um, who uh, drops out uh, at, at late notice um, for the Huddersfield game and Aubameyang are the main kind of four guys, uh, it seems, for bringing Kud in for those final two games. Yeah, so Firmino is the most transferred out player of over 50,000 transfers out and obviously he's yellow flagged. So people are, are seeing that and thinking they've got to get rid of this guy. Um, I'll definitely have to make some form of forward line transfer, I think, this week. So I've got Perez and Firmino both on yellow flags for it'll be a case of waiting for the press conference just to confirm what the situation is before we make any moves at this moment in time. And the Aubameyang Yang is another bit of a strange transfer, I'd say, to be honest, to be selling him right now. Um, you know, obviously Arsenal, he blanked against Leicester. He didn't play against Wolves, but he did get goals against Watford and Crystal Palace. And Arsenal's last two games are actually pretty decent, to be honest. Brighton at home, Burnley away, you know. You can definitely see returns in those games for the Arsenal players, even though they... There might be a little bit more rotation. Um, Emery hasn't seems to have no idea who he's playing week in, week out. And um, they're still in the Europa League. So he, he's probably, I think his focus is probably going to be on the Europa, to be honest, um, based on his track record and history in that tournament. Certainly, it makes a lot of sense. And we mentioned Eden Hazard earlier on, obviously also still in the in the Europa League, Chelsea. Uh, but uh, you know, someone said, oh, you know, are you worried about his rotation? But the, the fact is that, Willian uh, went off and didn't look very good um, last week, uh, but he's not appearing anywhere in terms of the transfers in, as far as I can see. So he could be a really, really big differential just looking at how the market forces are going. Brought in by 15,000 people only so far um, and only owned by 25.7%. Um, I think he had a zenith of about 45% ownership at one point. So yeah, uh, quite a big differential there. Um, elsewhere, you've got the likes of Verson being sold as well after the abject performance against West Ham. 
Yeah, and uh, you've also got the, the Crystal Palace guys, worth mentioning. Crystal Palace have a couple of really good fixtures as well. Cardiff and Bournemouth at home. A lot of people transferring back in. Wan-Bissaka after his nine-pointer uh, with over 45,000 transfers in. He's the sixth most transferred in player at this moment in time. And, and Wilfred Zaha as well, um, a player that I'm looking at myself and perhaps as a, a forward-line option. Um, he hasn't scored too much in the last few game weeks, but with uh with uh, Cardiff and Bournemouth up next, you can definitely see um, some returns potentially there. Yeah, a couple of assists like he got against Huddersfield for milli penalties, I guess, is, is, is viable. All right, let's move on to the next bit, which is the Nick pick. Uh, this is where uh, Nick chooses a player who uh, is uh, fairly middle of the road, fa- fairly conservative, uh, but is like to score points. So, Nick, last week uh, you chose Siggy. It didn't quite work out against Crystal Palace, uh, blank there. Week before that, you chose Hazard, um, who uh, got an assist, I think got five points, but uh, didn't set the world on fire. So, Kind of a qualified success with Hazard, and uh, not so much for Siggy. But uh, who's the man this week that you're uh, that you're eyeing up? So I picked this guy before I'd actually um, looked at the market forces, and it, it was a little bit of a surprise, perhaps, to see him so heavily transferred in. But a lot of people, obviously, um, on a similar wavelength to myself, because I, I picked um, Diego Yotta as my um, Nick pick this week, and. At the, you know, at the beginning of the season, he had this sort of superb season in the championship, sort of a young player. We definitely saw him as a potential talisman for, for Wolves. And um, yeah, in the championship, he got 17 goals in 44 appearances. And we were quite excited about this guy coming to the Premier League. But inevitably, um, owning him game week one, he, he did struggle a fair bit for the first half of the season. We got rid quite quickly and he, he um, didn't actually score his first goal until game week 15. But since then, he, he really has... Um, showed his promise and potential across the course of the season, nine goals and eight assists. And, yeah, we mentioned his, his link-up play with Jimenez has been brilliant. And with, with Philip up next, um, you, you could definitely see the potential for um, for returns. Um, actually, over the last six game weeks, Yotta is third for, for goal attempts inside the box. So he's, he's got some decent underlying stats as well to go with the, the goals and assists that he's picked up in, in the most recent weeks. And he's definitely... Um, one to think about for next season as well when when uh, picking our teams and hopefully his uh, price will be relatively kind next season. Yeah, I think he will be because Jimenez has been the uh, the, the market leader in terms of Wolves and has uh, risen exponentially in price. And Yota's actually not quite reached his initial price tag. So he's 6.2 now and got the hype 6.5 price tag along with the likes of uh, Ryan Sessegnon at Fulham. Yeah. Uh, so he's not quite reached the back to that yet. It might, may get the 6.3 by the end of the season, but you'd be expecting him to be you know, 7-ish, something like that, which is, which is pretty decent. I suppose he'll be in a lot of uh, game with one sides. Uh, the final thing to talk about this week is the all England team. So back in the halcyon days of summer, remember when we're all we were all very happy. We had England in the uh, reached semi-finals of the FA Cup, and Kieran Trippier, that the young player, scored um, on his on the way to fulfilling his potential. We decided to make an all England team um, of English players for the course of the season. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not been great. Uh, just outside the the top one million at the moment. And uh, this game, we the unspecified fan member in charge of your England team forgot about them. Maybe it was because of the Friday deadline. Maybe because they were too busy trying to figure out whether TAA or uh, Firmino should come in. Obviously, the Firmino news made that very easy. Um, but whoever it is forgot to update the team. That meant that uh, young player Kieran Trippier. Second place young player of the year, Jesse Lingard and Mike Smallin all started over the likes of Callum Wilson, Trent Alexander-Arnold and uh, James Madison. Oh, no. Luckily, none of those players played. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it meant that uh, Callum Wilson with 16 points, Trent Alexander-Arnold with 10 points and uh, Madison with six points for an assist came off the bench. It got, got them a 70-point return because Captain Stone didn't pay off. It could so easily have been somebody else if they'd remembered to pick the team. Uh, however, you know, it's not too bad uh, for, for this kind of game week. If it nailed the captain, it would have been, uh, it would have been 80s, 90s. So, yeah. Uh, all good. We've only got a couple of game weeks left um, to, to try to cement England's place at the top table. Uh, we've got a triple captain left to play. Um, it probably would have been better to do it this game week, but again, some issues were, were seen. Uh, so we'll try to figure out who that might be. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure there'll be that. There is a good. There are a few um, decent candidates for it. Might be a game week 38 uh, captain, uh, triple captain for them on uh, someone like Troy Deeney against West Ham, Danny Innes against Huddersfield, James, James Wolf Prowse, Nathan Redmond. Nathan Redmond against Huddersfield, that might be quite decent. They're definitely a brace in that. Who knows? All right, let's take a break there and move on to the uh, QA. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? 
So we're back and it's time to catch up with the Who Got the Assist Mini League um, see what's going on. And yeah, it's, it's all changed at the top. Sky player in FPL, you mentioned earlier, Tom, Paul Jones um, is the new leader with 121 points for Game Week 36. He's now up to uh, 49th overall. He, he's leading the way. He's the top Welsh player in FPL as well. And, uh, you know, what a storm of a week. 16 points from Wilson, uh, 10 from TAA, 14 from Robertson. Um, he had Babel in as well, nine, uh, nine pointer. What a, what a player to bring in who's usually drinking, usually dancing. Um, Laporte, nine-pointer, Jimenez, seven, Aguero, nine. Just just a fantastic return. Didn't even play a chip. And he, he's still got 121 points. So really well done there, Paul. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's an all-British competition here. As the leading man in Scotland, uh, Mark Sinclair, has been knocked off the, the top perch. Um, so yeah, it's properly uh, Scotland versus Wales here. As uh, Mark's 64-pointer, has dropped him down the rankings, unfortunately, and he's now four points behind uh, Paul. So not not a great week, unfortunately, for for Mark there. Um, he captained Aguero for eighteen points. He had Mane, um, he had you know Laporte and Van Dijk, but his, some of his players like um, Murray and uh, you know Zaha and Sterling and Son and De La Feo didn't do too much for him, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, not a great week for Mark. Um, worth mentioning some of the other guys up there at the moment. Oscar Norberg, really good week for him, 116 points. Um, he's doing really well this season as well. Um, you know, 107th in the world, but only 29th in Norway. So, you know, yeah. you know, can't believe the fact that there's literally 28 Norwegians in the top 100 or so FPL players. That's that shocking, isn't it? Yeah, triple captain for him. Liam Berry, um, fourth place um, Englishman, uh, 91 points. Got to mention the English whilst we're here. Uh, uh, doing all right as well, 91 points for him. And Salvarin Bora, the uh, the Mendigos, um, in fifth with um, 2,402 points. Um, so, yeah, he's he's doing pretty well as well. Yeah, and Salvar is uh, in the top five in the US as well. So uh, quite a fantastic achievement for all those guys. Uh, he's going to go right down to the wire for the uh, for the Who Got This Mini League this year, it seems, uh, between uh, Mark and Paul. Uh, as you mentioned, it's going to be an all-British face-off. Although Oscar Norberg is, uh, is in contention. So yeah, very well done to all you guys there. Uh, let's move on to the questions then, Nick. And we've got a few this week. Uh, we've mentioned and probably kind of partially answered these already but the first one is Hud United we've had lots of questions on the United boys uh, desperately seeking Doozan and FPL Jim asked about United so Doozan asked you know are we being silly for assuming Huddersfield will just fold and uh, Jim asked for our thoughts on uh, Kaku the forgotten man the heavy differential and that uh, Will Bill asked about buying Pogba too who he, I think we kind of answered that one a little bit but uh, United generally Nick um, and maybe Kaku specifically for Jim like what are your views on them? So, yeah, I'm not a big fan of Lukaku, to be honest. Uh, I, I think he's he's definitely, you know, had a, a pretty poor season. He just looks really lumbering and doesn't seem to have any turn of pace. I don't know, especially at his price as well. I think there's better, better ways to spend your money than Lukaku. But in terms of Manchester United, uh, as I said earlier, I was a bit surprised to see I'm, I'm so against the market forces. Normally what I say on the pod seems to correlate quite a bit with the market and a lot of people seem to be agreeing with me but in terms of the market forces we saw Pogba being sold I, I think he's a, a really good pick for this week and if you don't own him I'd, I'd consider bringing him in um, for those fixtures Huddersfield um, and Cardiff and yeah you know same with um, Rashford um, I'd, I'd I'd like the look of Anthony Martial but he didn't play the last game I don't know why I don't know if you know why yeah, definitely. I think Martial is on the naughty step. It's got to be that. I, I can't really see any other reason why. Um, j- just in general, um, United over the last six game weeks have looked okay in terms of the attacking stats. Uh, not great, but okay. Like middle of the road for goal attempts, for example. Uh, middle of the road um, for big chances as well with 13. Uh, Southampton actually have, have had more big chances than any other team with 21. So maybe there is a case for that uh, Nathan Regmond uh, triple captain in game week of 38 for the All Englands we mentioned. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're all right. The key is Huddersfield. It may just be an easy source of points to be looking at those sorts of players. I mean, defensively, I think there may be a couple of bargains there as well. You've got your man Lindelof. He's going to play. I'm not sure he's any good, but he's going to play play with Eric Bailly going off with uh, 
and the knack that's going to roll them out of the AFCON as well. And you've got Luke Shaw as well, who got the assist the other day. Um, interestingly, he's got no crosses in the last uh, four games as well because the, the pullback is deemed a key, a key pass. I think TAA, in contrast, is 50 crosses. So uh, not really producing too much, but you'd still be maybe thinking, yeah, maybe Luke Shaw at 5.0 may be a decent option if you're moving class and natural or something like that um, at the risk of sounding like you. It is a tough one. Like, if you're buying somebody in, I think I'd only be interested in Pogba. Maybe if Rashford's past fit, he might be worth bringing in for you know a grey or something like that. Um, but Lukaku certainly isn't doing anything in terms of the stats or to passing the item. This seems like a bit of a Hail Mary it could really work, but as I found to my chagrin in the past through Caps and the likes of Sanchez in this sort of game, going with a player who isn't in form hasn't really done anything for quite a while. It's probably, it's probably not a good idea. So maybe it's Pogba that would be interested in, maybe Rashford. Um, but if you're looking at uh, looking at Kaku like Jim is, maybe my feeling would be to look elsewhere. <laughs> it sounds like United are also looking elsewhere as well because he said he couldn't guarantee where he'd be. Um, next year. It hasn't got returned since game of 29, Lukaku as well. Yeah, interesting thing. I think Shaw is um, a decent pick, definitely, um, if you are thinking about transferring a defender. But interesting thing about the Manchester United defenders this season, they're not even appearing on the first page in terms of points. And uh, Bamber and Morrison from Cardiff have scored more points than any Manchester United defender this season, which is a little bit shocking, isn't it? Absolutely. I think that's uh, maybe due to the fact that the guy behind David De Gea has been making mistakes leading to goal worthy of an Arsenal goalkeeper recently. Uh, quite a few absolute blunders. Um, but So you don't really have that solidity behind you that you used to have. Maybe that's affecting the players. Who knows? But yeah, maybe Luke Shaw would be the one just because of his attacking kind of potential there. Um Next question, holding on to the rat. Um, FPL Yogi says it's form versus fixture sort of as a question. He's considering moving Vardy on for someone like Rashford or something like that to free up cash elsewhere. But is that one to forget about now? We haven't really spoken about Vardy too much on this, apart from me singing his praises earlier on. Uh, Man City and uh, Chelsea are his fun two game weeks. And um, I don't know about buying him in. I'm pretty sure with Man City, I'm next, you wouldn't buy him in. Um, but would you be moving Vardy on? Probably not, to be honest, and it's probably a case, again, of over-management with this guy. You know, a lot of people moved him on last week, and he, he subsequently got that brace against Arsenal. He is in form as well. He's doing really well. He's got um, six goals in the last five games, and um, and even even looking a bit further back, I think he's got about nine in nine. It's just pretty, pretty decent, really, his returns currently. And, you know, obviously there are tough fixtures, City and Chelsea, but we've often seen, actually, that, that Vardy um, performs best against the... Um, you know, the tougher teams in the league because of the way that Leicester play with their counter-attacking football and, uh, you know, catching these teams off guard. I've seen Vardy nick a few goals against Manchester City a fair few times in the past. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think he, I think he's a really good pick. Um, he is a bit pricey, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, he wouldn't be one that I'd perhaps be looking to transfer him in. I, I could potentially for Firmino, but... Um, you know, he is an option out there for sure. But I think there's a few other options as well. You know, we mentioned uh, Wilson and uh, Zaha. But um, yeah, why not with um, with Vardy? I'd, I'd say hold him. Yeah, I'm definitely holding that guy. Um, he's actually top at the moment for a lot of the uh, a lot of the striker metrics. He's top for shots in the box last six. Uh, top uh, joint top for big chances uh, over the last six. And I saw a really, a really decent stat that um, he had more touch in the box against Arsenal than Aubameyang and Lacazette did combined. So that's, that's really damn good. He's also top of penalty box touches overall over the last six. So the stats are there. He seems to you know, be relishing playing under Brendan, Brendan Rodgers in that system and making the intelligent runs. He hasn't got the pace anymore, perhaps. Uh, but he, his ability to, to find those kind of areas of space when teams are tiring, when teams are lagging, you know, he... he does score pretty late on in games fairly often unless he's given a sniff. That's just the way he does things. Um, he is fairly accurate with the shots he gets. He gets two or three chances a game and you back him to put one of them away. Like, you know, it's going to take a moment of uh, Osamendi losing concentration, Vardy being in and scoring a goal and you'd be hoping that all Liverpool fans everywhere would be hoping that he does that job for them. Um, but yeah, I'm happy in that. And I'm, I'm sure against Chelsea at home, he'd he, produce something. I mean, Rodgers has got that Chelsea connection as well. But yeah, definitely hold Vardy Yogi if you can. Uh, next question. Uh, hit me one more time. Uh, FPL Geek asks, are hits stupid with just two game weeks to go? He's hoping to hit 50k and he's 70k right now. 
hits, I think, are obviously something that you're looking at to be paid back um, over the, the course of the next few game weeks. With just two game weeks to go, though, is it a good idea to be doing that sort of thing? Or is it just easier to just take one FT or you know, just leave it? Are you over-managing taking hits now? What do you reckon, Nick, at this point in the season? Well, yeah, I think that's that's the point, isn't it? There's only two game weeks left, so you can't even be thinking about the long-term picture. Often when I've taken hits in the past, I've been almost thinking about that player that I'm bringing in or those two players that I'm bringing in and owning them for the next five to six game weeks because they've got some fantastic fixtures or, you know, they've got some double game weeks coming up and stuff like that. So generally in the past, I've had plans around my hits and whilst they've not necessarily paid off, there has been some long-term thought process behind it with only two game weeks to go um you know i wouldn't really be thinking about taking a hit unless you, you're going through some sort of injury crisis or you know you, you're just kind of like you, you feel like um, your players really have terrible fixtures and there's some other assets you know you some reason you're missing liverpool attacking threats or something like that then maybe i consider um a hit to to sort of a last ditch um, attempt to kind of bolster your rank even though I've got two yellow flags in my forward line I'm probably only going to do one transfer and if necessary if I'm short a man then Valerie will have to come off the bench and do a job yeah it's decent enough isn't it just a fold in FPL Classico's question about Hazard uh, he's the guy I'm thinking about buying in but it's just whether it's worth that hit I mean Ericsson against Bournemouth um, it would be who goes and that could easily be some, a, a game that he returned big in Ericsson against Bournemouth isn't a bad fixture by any stretch so as Nick said if you're looking for a, a last second rank boost it could easily pay off but if you're removing a player who's got a decent fixture anyway I'm not too sure I'd be going for that uh, am I going to take a hit this week we'll talk about that in a second I'm, I'm not sure yet um, but I think that uh, to answer El, El Clasico's question here quickly, yeah, and the array of transfer targets, Hazard was one of them. So I'm going to just going to uh, pivot into that. Um, I think Hazard could be a very worthy uh, a hit recipient. He could be worthy of you taking hit for him, and he could really pay off in that in that game week, given the uh, given the home uh, form that he's shown. Uh, final question this week: a Bound to make you recoil, Nick is uh, Salah out. So FPR Rossi Seamus asks if he should sell Salah uh, to raise funds, or should he keep hold of them? No, <laughs> don't sell Salah. <laughs> that's that's my answer. If you've got Salah, keep him. I think um, in your case, Tom, obviously you don't own Salah. I wouldn't perhaps um, say, you know, get him in on a hit again. We've seen that Mane has managed to actually cover him uh, for most of the season. And Mane has actually um, been better value in terms of points per value. Um, a lot of the other premium Liverpool defenders have also been better valued as a points per value by a long way uh, compared to Mo Salah. So there has been a case that perhaps we could have gone the season without owning Mo. But then um, there have been those periods in in time where you, you obviously missed out on his hatchet early on the season. Um, you know, if you didn't own Salah or Mane this game, we, we saw a lot of people punished quite heavily for that. So um, I think for me, um, Liverpool's fixtures are Newcastle Wolves. You know, they're middling fixtures. But for me, I think he's definitely a hold and, and a captaincy option for the final two game weeks of the season. Yeah, he's certainly up for it, isn't he? Like him and uh, the saving grace you mentioned is that Marnie has covered him in terms of the game value for the course of the season. Obviously, when the ownership was very high when I had my terrible time, my dark days. Uh, he not only him was wasn't very good, but at the moment. Mane and Salah are both ridiculously up for the golden boot. I mean, not owning Salah, I'm very worried about it. But I've got triple Liverpool. I'm sure a lot of people in the same situation have triple Liverpool. Or you'd need to tear up your team and make a pretty ill-advised transfer to get him in. Not sure I'd be advising doing that. But if you have him, definitely hold him. You're going to get punished for getting rid of him. On that note, then, let's move on to transfers and captains. Uh, Nick, I've, uh, I'm guessing you are going to be captaining uh, Salah. But you mentioned you've got some forward line issues. What are you thinking there? So, yeah, obviously, um, Firmino's yellow flags and Perez, Ayose Perez, who I just brought in, unfortunately, he's yellow flags as well. He's got the uh, tougher fixture because he's playing Liverpool um, where they're playing each other. But it, at the moment, it looks like potentially either one or both of them are going to be missing out. So I do need to make a transfer in that forward line. Um, it, it much depends on the press conferences, to be honest, in terms of whether they're declared fit or not. But in terms of budget, I've got a little bit of flexibility. I think... Um, Zaha and Wilson are perhaps the ones that I was kind of looking at and thinking about bringing them in. Um, maybe Wilson over Zaha, because um, I just feel like he's going to do a number on Spurs. But um, 
after the conversation we had, I've actually started to think about maybe Jamie Vardy being, you know, a little bit of a cheeky pick um, just to throw him in at the end of the season and see what he does in those final games. And if I can afford him, which I can for Firmino, then, then why not use that money to, to bring him in and, and see what he does? Because he is informing. He's, as you, those numbers you gave in terms of his underlying stats are, sh- are showing that he's, he's in really good form and, uh, um, yeah, could uh, catch um, City or Chelsea on the break very easily. Yeah, I suppose so. As you said, it depends. It really comes down to Friday, doesn't it? Because you've got quite a few things in play. You've got the Champions League in play. You've got the Europa League in play as well. Um, so my my transfers this week, um, I might just leave it. Um, not even manager. I'm, I'm off on holiday to Berlin for the weekend. So maybe if I bought in Hazard and captained him, I'd spend Sunday uh, in the doghouse because I'd be busy glued to my phone seeing how my captain had done rather than looking around Berlin so maybe for the sake of my relationship I'll leave it and just captain uh, Sterling on uh, on Monday night uh, might be what I do I might might just leave it and let it roll over because you know I'd be removing Eriksson for hazards and that could easily backfire so maybe, maybe I won't do it I, I just don't know I mean the ownership of hazards pretty low uh, in terms of the uh, in terms of the top 10k which doesn't really matter too much to me but also in terms of um, I think generally i think it's 25 percent as i mentioned earlier on so uh, maybe i could just do without doing it and just just leave it as it is captain have two fts just take a gamble on the final game week cool uh, there's a theme every week uh we didn't do one on the but on the game week 35 on with will game week 34 was the peep show uh well done if anyone spotted that yeah and um yeah so it was well done anyone who spotted our peep show references it was quite a hard theme to do because most of the funny references from the tv show um have a lot of swearing in which um we try and keep the pod clean so uh you know it was a tough one yeah, to, like, to eat, eating a dog on a canal boat like trying to get that one in as a reference is quite difficult is that a real poo mark i think people thought that i was we were drunk when we started the podcast and we we're talking about your bowel movements <laughs> so, yeah. i remember that <laughs> that's yeah. a, must not have been listening <laughs> no that's, that's a really that's a really hard one to do so my favorite scenes on your favorite scenes as well but it's really hard to get a peep show reference in the public ergonomic keyboard of course and um just to say of course we are who got you says you can find us online at WGTA underscore FPL um, if you want to follow me personally I'm at WGTA underscore Nick as well uh, please follow me just follow no, me no I, I don't post much useful stuff but occasionally we'll say something um, Tom tends to manage the main account as everyone knows um, and if you want to join the league it's a bit late but you, you can still join with 516-441 cool we'll be back next week and um, for the penultimate pod of the season. I think for double, for game week 38, we might do something a little bit different. We were mooting a few ideas. Maybe some sort of drinking game, Nick. Maybe a Centurion or something as we do it, just to make it a bit more fun. We will see whether we're able to handle that amount of alcohol now we're both in our 30s. But who knows? It might make for a very uh, very fun pod. I might have to give it an explicit label, though, so I'm sure that the uh, filter will come off. But anyway, in the meantime, I hope to see you and speak to you soon. Goodbye. It's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio.